When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always is my good friend Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's uh, I gotta getting a little deja vu right now. It's almost <laughs> like we've been here before. It is, man. It is. Um, stuff happens. Technology is not always fun or our friend, but I think it's kind of cool to get an opportunity to record day of a little bit. You know that we don't do that very often, and for once we'll be able to close our eyes and not worry about news breakings from the time we recorded to the time we release, huh? Yeah, yeah, this is going to be real, real uh, hot off the press stuff here. So, yeah, so let's uh, let's do what we did. Um, we're we're going to talk about things that may or may not shock us, and we're going to try to keep this as short and punchy as we can as an episode. Uh, what I'm going to do is throw out a topic, and you can do the same. We're going to talk about whether it would surprise us or not. Talk about the subject a little bit, too, if you like. I think that's that's always fun. Well, the one thing we can always count on with the Pirates is there will be some shocking one way or the other at, yeah. at some point, good or bad. So so we will call this a shocking episode. I think that's, that's right. what we'll call it. Let's let's go ahead and get started. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one out to kind of give everybody an idea of what we're talking about. And that's how we'll play the game. So the first one is... O'Neill Cruz finishes the season with less than 30 home runs. Would you be shocked? Mm. That's a good one. Um, and for those of you listening, I hope you understand, like these are supposed to be challenging. It shouldn't be like a, it's super simple to say that I'm shocked or so, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to say 15 home runs, well then yes, I would be shocked if he didn't right. hit 15. 30 is a pretty good bit for a, a young number, right? Yeah. Yeah. For a young guy, even with big power, um, man, that is like right on that cusp. Um, I'll say I'll be, I, man, I'll, I will say I'll be shocked. I think he's going to get close to that, but I'm not ready to go there just just yet. Like, here's the thing: there's a difference between what I put that expectation on him versus do I expect it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like or- I expect it. I expect him to hit over 30 home runs but I would never pin that expectation on a second year player and, and just say like, I have to see it or he's a bust or something. So there's a big difference between that and, and saying that it would surprise me. 
It yeah, would I mean, surprise me if he didn't hit that plateau just based on what he did in the sample size that he gave us. I think too, like if there's one thing he could struggle in other areas a lot, you know, uh, we don't know. Sure. Um, but if there'd be one that he could hit, even if he did struggle might be that 30 home run mark. Uh, but, but I'm just, I'll, I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'll say he's going to get close to that, but I'll be shocked if he surpasses it or I'll be surprised if he surpasses that. Okay. So then I guess the answer to the question for you is no, you would not be surprised if he finished the season with less than that. I right. would be a little surprised. Okay. So All right. there's a good start. Your turn, yeah. sir. Okay. Um, let me just go with something that right away um, will be a, a, a subject of ours coming up as the season gets closer and they've made, you know, on paper, they've made some improvements. Um, we do think that the um, uh, record will be better. Do you think we'd be shocked or not shocked if the Pirates lose 90 games? Oh, 90 games. So that'd be what? Eight games under 500, right? Yeah, and see, originally I had said 95, but I thought that was too easy. Yeah, I think I think ninety five. You're you're right. I was pretty quick on the trigger. So ninety is tough. Ninety is a real improvement, you know. And I'd like to think so, just from the pitching staff. I think the pitching staff, to me, feels more deep, to the point where I think they can survive some injuries. They can survive trades. They can survive ineffectiveness. I think they have enough there to to kind of play ball through it with with quality arms. And I, man, baseball's still all about the pitching. I, I truly believe they probably have that kind of improvement in them. I don't think that they can get to five hundred, but I think they will be somewhere in between that and ninety losses. So I think I would be a little surprised if if they finish this season with, with 90 plus losses. Okay. Um, I will say that that would be an 11 game improvement from last year. Yeah. Um, if they hit 90 and I think I will say that I'll, I, I still think they may hit that, but, that would be a good step forward for a team that just lost 101 and 102 games in back-to-back seasons. And then, you know, uh, even before that was off to that kind of a season before it got cut short. So I will say that I still expect them to hit 90, but that would be um, the worst of it. And something that you had brought up in a previous conversation was even if they do make trades and deplete some of the roster, um, if they're out of it, which they, you know, probably would be, um, that the guys that they would have be filling in 
wouldn't be just complete bottom of the barrel scrubs that it may not bottom out on them like it has in the past because they've moved guys. You might be talking about, you know, um, say you trade Carlos Santana and um, G-Man Choi. Well, you might be plopping in uh, Malcolm Nunez that you truly feel is ready. Or you might be pushing like an Andy Rodriguez over there, or you might, you know, you, you never yeah. know what's going to happen. They have a decent amount of hitters coming and you might, you're right. They might be able to find something. They even have Connor Joe who could play first base. So, I mean, there, there's definitely ways that I think they can backfill the roster a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's to the point where um, at least they're not throwing over there. Oh, geez, man. I even forget his name now. The the catcher that they got that was a Blue Jay that they tried at first base. Um, um, oh, I know who you're talking about, too. Geez. He was from the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, like, like the, but those types of guys where you're just, I mean, they don't even really have any business being right. guys that you should be starting. So they, they would avoid that. Um, but yeah, I will still say I, I still think they hit the 90 loss mark. All right. Hey, let's take a quick break. Now you guys all have an idea of what we're trying to get done with this show, what we're doing. We come back from this break and keep playing the game. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. We're going to keep playing the shocker game. I think it's fun. Um, Before we get into it, let's just say that we found the name that we had forgotten in segment one. It was Zach Collins. And I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad, Jim. I don't know. Maybe I should. I mean, he didn't play a ton, but those are the type of guys they were trying at first base there. You know, right. um, as the season wore on, and uh, it's pretty—it tells you just how forgettable some names are. No offense to Zach Collins, but yeah. um, point being, we think there's a better class of replacements this time. Yes. So, yeah. Either way, that's that is an interesting one, man. That ninety loss that that's right on the border, and I think that's the best way to have these discussions because it, it it really is is mostly about where your prediction is. You know, like right. I can tell you're probably thinking they're going to win about they're going to lose about 91, 92 games. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'm, things, maybe things I'm, break. I'm bouncing around 88, 87. So I mean, like uh-huh. I'm struggling with coming up with my prediction too. I almost want to see spring first. So and and um, Gary, sometimes it comes down to like maybe things break right and they do get into the 80s, but maybe things don't break right and that's all it takes or one really bad losing streak could or winning streak could swing that one way or the other right or losing one really key player you know like right you know you lose a there's some guys we talk about that quality depth and everything but there's some guys you aren't replacing you know like yeah if if for instance o'neill cruz and his possible accidental 30 home runs we're talking about to get (laughs) injured you know, it's a drop-off. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're going to struggle to replace that offensive potential. Um, 
you know, there, there's there's certain places they can't afford. Brian Reynolds, another great example. Mitch Keller is probably somebody they can't afford to, to lose for any kind of an extended period of time. Sure. Because um, even yeah. though there's talent coming, it's not mature talent. Right, or if they run into some injuries in the bullpen like they did at the end of last year, it, 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 would, it would shift things quite a bit. It would. I, the bullpen I'm a little less worried about. I think there's a little bit more depth there than – than um, there has been, especially on the 40 man. There's some more memorable pieces around. And to be clear, I mean more like the guys that need to close out the games if you're playing a lot of closer games. So, anyways. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, back to the Shocker game, huh? Uh huh. Let's see. What do I got for you? Mm. How about would you be shocked if we got to the end of the season and. Brian Reynolds was still a pirate and there was no extension. No. No? I won't be shocked. I um I think that he I think from now until then um and I'm saying maybe like I'll even say like the All-Star break uh or the trade deadline. Let's just—I mean, let's just make it that—that that, uh, I think that he'll be gone. I—I—I I, I, I just think that until I'm proven wrong, and the Pirates get their heads out of their asses and and do what needs to be done to win in this perceived window that they're setting up, I will just—I uh, will just err on the side of caution and say, I think he'll be gone. Well, it's funny. I wouldn't be shocked if he was still here at the end of the season and still unextended. So I don't <laughs> think he'll be gone, but I wouldn't be shocked if that's how it wound up. So I, I think the longer it goes on, the time starts to become more of a factor. Like, they can say right now, look, we've got him for three years. If you want him, you're going to have to pay uh, pay us in, in talent in return and maybe overpay. But every day, that lessens. Every month, that lessens. And if you know it's not going to get done, there's just no avoiding the fact that the control is such a big part of it for other teams. And so that's the reason I keep thinking that that will become a bigger issue as it goes on. And I think that discounts that he could play better because the price ain't going to go down if he keeps playing better. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, no, um, it won't. But, teams are going to use that against them too. I mean, they're going to know that it still hasn't happened. You know, clearly that he's still not under contract. They're still going to have to move him. I just think those things start to add up a little more, even if he's playing really well. I think you can convince it of me of it easier. If some outfield prospect really cropped up and, and showed that, he was going to be something because right now they don't have that. Yeah. And without that, I don't think they can do it and sell any semblance of team improvement. 
And I think that's become very important to them from a business standpoint at this point. And if they've got to run the clock out for three years and just get a draft pick back, I bet they'd do it. Boy, that will sting, though. Um, if It'll nothing- sting no worse than, than moving him. The fan base won't forgive them if they move him. We've heard this before, but it's true. They're right in the middle of a rebuild. We called this out two years ago, talking yeah. on this show. If you wait and, and, and get to this point with him and you trade him, well, it's going to come like right in the middle of when this window is supposedly opening up. We called this out a long time ago, and here we are, like Kreskin, watching it happen. Yeah, they probably, you know, a year or two ago would have probably been the time to get something done. And they didn't do it for whatever reason. I can give people a couple obvious reasons, but regardless, they put themselves in that situation. Right. We've seen the Rays do the same thing. They have their practice that they love to trade people, even if it's a little early or whatever. But we've seen them hold on to guys and let them expire, too. When, when they had to strategically. Yeah. So I, I think we may be at one of those points where they have to strategically or they might just get it done. Cause the reality is the dude still wants to be here. So it is what it yeah, is. And then there's all these other factors too, with like kind of season is he having what kind of season are the pirates having, um, do they have any thoughts of like approaching O'Neill Cruz? What kind of season is he going to be having? Um, they've got Contreras. They've got Keller's going to be coming up. Like there's so many factors involved. Um, it would be great to be a fly on the wall and just hear what they're thinking. Yeah, I'd have to agree, man. All right. Well, that was mine. Your turn. Okay. Um, let's go with... All right. Let's just jump right into Rodolfo Castro. And would you be shocked or not shocked if he is the I'll 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 put two things in this. So I'll make it a little extra challenging for you that he is the 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 primary slash exclusive second baseman and hits 20 home runs. Oh, wow. I wouldn't be shocked by either of those things. I mean, I, I think he should be the leader in the clubhouse for, for winning second base in spring. If for no other reason, then it's his third year, and it's time to get him a major league level volume of at-bats and see what he can do. Also, if you prorate out everything he's done in the majors out to 162 games, it adds up to 25 home runs. It would not shock me at all if he hit over 20. I think he has that kind of power, and I actually think uh, being a switch hitter really helps him in that regard. You know, he, he he can really poke them both ways and against both kinds of arms. And I, I just think it, it adds up to a, a guy that can easily pull off both of those numbers. Yeah. I think um, I, I will say too, I would be, I will be shocked. I think there's, 
first of all, I mean, he's still he's still young. Like he's 23, I believe. And we're talking someone with 16 home runs now and 339 major league at bats. And yes, yeah. he 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 he's been, you know, obviously he came up and had those what first five hits were all home runs and sure. I think so it's been a little bit hit and miss, but I mean, that's some really good pop. And if he's somebody that they even think remotely can hit 20 home runs, 20 plus in Major League Baseball today from your second baseman, you have to play him. You have to find out what's there. And that's that's part of the fun of this whole thing, because if, if Rodolfo Castro proves that he is a second baseman, in other words, he's capable of it. We think I think he has the range. I think he's shown that he can play, he has the range to play second base. A lot of his mistakes have been more mental than um, physical. You know, I don't think he's making bad throws as much as making bad throw decisions. You know, um, maybe throwing Again. it to the wrong side on a double play opportunity. You know, but for the most part, I think that's stuff he can improve on. And the bat, man, it, the bat's not perfect, but if it does exactly what it's done, like I said, it adds up. So that would be interesting as hell if Castro took second base by the nuts. Because then you've got big questions about Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verpiguero and what you do with them and where they go, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. It. it it's – there's – like anything, there's a little bit of a domino effect. And, you know, I mean, clearly there are some things with his game that, you know, offensively, like you said, he's not, he's far from a finished product. This is a guy that his on base percentage is ugly. You know, he's mm -hmm. 288 on base percentage so far, but you're talking just even with this minimal show of what he can do with the power. I mean, he's already someone who's had an OPS over 700, for his career very early on, obviously, but that's the, that's even just average now in baseball. That's one of the weird, um, that's one of the weirdest things about Rodolfo Castro because an OPS over 700, I'll disagree with you that that's average because average is in the 600s easily. Like 615 is more average. You like mean for overall for or at second base or overall? OPS period. Just average baseball. It's like 615. So, Is it? I thought it was like just over 700. Mm. Anyways. Regardless, 700, a little over 700 with an, with an on-base percentage as low as 288. Uh, he's doing some damage when he is hitting the ball. Right. So there's some things to iron out there. I think taking more walks is probably one of them. It's the last thing I want Andy Haynes to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, we'll see what happens with him. He's an aggressive guy in the field and at the plate, so I don't want to take that away from him. I don't either, but I do want to refine him, and I'm pretty sure that um, that will happen, especially in the field. I, I feel pretty good about what's going to happen with him in the field. Um, let's move on. Let's do okay. a pitching one. I think it's time for a pitching one. Okay. Would you be shocked if Mitch Keller finished the season in the top 10 for the Cy Young in the National League? 
obviously um, subjective because you don't know what everyone else is going to do. But yeah, yeah, obviously it's subjective, and then there's you know some built-in bias for some people with that. So um, I would say I would probably look. Um, Mitch Keller made a believer out of me last year. I think there was enough there to sh- to show, like you know, starting to stack good performances um, on top of one another. That I think he's going to take a, a good step forward. I'd be shocked if it's that big of a step forward, top ten, and that puts you in some pretty elite category for having a a, a really really good year. Um. I'll be shocked if it's that much. I will settle for just another step forward. And I think he's capable of that. And it sounds like he may be to the point just from listening to some of the stuff that's come out in the last day or two, that he's kind of expecting that of himself now, at least to take that next step forward. I think he has that confidence now. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I, think he'll get any he would get any Cy Young votes just because of the team he's on and we're probably looking at like between eighty and ninety losses and you know so it's it's difficult to to say somebody's gonna get Cy Young consideration from that plateau, even if he was super, super good. Uh-huh. But I think he has a good shot to be one of the top third of the pitchers in in the National League. If he if he just does what he did, you know, in the second half of last year. Yeah, so. if if he even just like you said, if he just repeats what he was doing, you know, the last half of the season, that would put him in that category. And that's funny. He, you know, sometimes we just forget. I mean, he, he's not he's not thirty. He's twenty six. He's yeah. It's a little surprising, even when you think of that. So. What scares you about Mitch Keller, though, is how many times have we watched him figure it out, legitimately feel that he had turned some kind of a corner, and then all of a sudden he hits that brick wall again. And, you know, even spring, like we were very excited about him coming into 2022 because he had shown some things in practice. He put them out there himself. He was very excited. Showed that velocity in the spring. Showed that that breaking stuff was a little more refined in the spring. Got to real games, didn't matter. Got hit like a ton. Just laser beam after laser beam. Finally, they introduced this two-seamer. Things start to turn around. Great. Now we're hoping, praying that he retains it all over the offseason, comes in exactly as he was. It's a good point. That might be a stretch with Mitch Keller, unfortunately. It's a good point. This is the... I don't want to call it the last hurdle for him, but a big one. Uh, can you now, in between seasons, carry it over? You yeah. showed it. And can you c- continue that? Um, because, okay, great. You can have extra confidence now. You've show, you, know, you feel good about what you're doing. But now there are back to some expectations and that's when it seems like he has struggled is is when there's been expectations i think it's it maybe maybe we shouldn't discount gary that whole well he he started to pitch better well people lowered the bar for him too in the sense of like 
you know, can he handle that? It hasn't yeah. been great. You got one more? Um, yeah, let's do well, let's just stick with uh, I'll save my my last my my good one for last. I'll go let's stick with pitching. Um, would you be shocked or not shocked if the Pirates went with a six-man rotation for, um, let's say, the majority of the season? It'd be hard for me to be shocked because they've mentioned the possibility. But I think early on it would probably create more problems than it fixed. Because you'd have to go with a short bullpen to pull it off, and you don't need six starters. In fact, you barely ever need five in April. So I think uh, the first month of the season is almost for sure no. But you could see that piggybacking happen early on maybe. You know, they've brought it up a couple times, dating all the way back to 2021. So at some point, you got to feel like they're going to spring it on us, and I don't know when. So I wouldn't be shocked, no. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Um, That's the way things are trending um, across baseball. And, I mean, we could very easily make a six-man rotation right this second if we wanted to. Um, We could, but again, I think when you start talking about that six-man rotation stuff, I just think like you're you're perpetually going to be running a short bullpen. And I'm not sure that's what I would do. We talked about not killing the bullpen. Well, another way to kill the bullpen is to run a short bullpen. You know, and Mm, instead of relying on eight guys back there to carry the weight, you're relying on six guys to carry the weight. And I'm not sure that I want to do that again this year and run the wheels off of some of these guys. Unless... The theory behind keeping some people like Robert Stevenson and Dwayne Underwood is that you're going to just let them go at some point or move them or whatever. So kill them up front, you know, (laughs) have them throw 40, 50 innings in the first three months of the season and say goodbye. Yeah. I mean, I said you bring up someone like Underwood, especially like he's logged a lot of innings, a lot of appearances, um, I don't even know what he's going to end up being this year. At some point, that kind of that kind of runs its course too. Um, he's like he's like the new Chris Stratton in that regard, um, just with usage. So um, yeah, you know what? I will say that I think they're going to try something like that um, with six man rotation, um, but maybe you won't notice it right right away because of what you mentioned with in April with days off and things like it's really not needed. So everybody, that was the surprise show. We wanted to see how this kind of played and what we would love is for you guys to listen to the show and then hit up our show um, handle on Twitter at Pirates Fan Forum. Let us know what would surprise you. Let us know some topics that you think would surprise you. We'll have a little bit of a banter on Twitter about it. I think that would be kind of fun.
welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. If I don't, if you don't have anything else, Jim, I think we're good to go. Yeah, should I? You know what, Gary? Let's just do one more. Let's just let me throw this one out there because I do want people to think about this one. All right. Real quick, O'Neill Cruz. Does he? Would you be shocked if he? led the majors in errors shocked or not shocked has hobby Baez retired he has not <laughs> he has he has not his he still has the the nice lines in his eyebrow thing that you would think yeah. as you get older you might not want to do anymore but oh well i wouldn't be shocked if only because um I think a lot of us have, have given a little too much credence to the the thought that he's just going to suddenly figure everything out at shortstop. He's been playing shortstop the entire time he's been in the Pirates system. This has been a problem the whole way. The throwing has been erratic. Getting the balls has never been a problem. Um, I think having a consistent second baseman could help him. I think having a good first baseman could help him. But I don't know that it's going to cure everything. I think he's still going to have a high volume of errors, but I think the offense is going to make us all plug our nose and not care. It's probably the best way to put it. Um, I, I just took a look at errors, and he had 17, which tied him for fifth in baseball. And he only played 86 games. Right. So you could see – you could probably see a scenario where he does make a ton of errors. And then I guess they'll have to figure out how that's going to work out long-term. Yeah. I mean, another question to bolt on to the end of that is, would you be shocked if we, we finished 2023 and still don't know what we're doing with O'Neill Cruz positionally? Right. And, and that's, that, that gets wrapped right into that question because if he puts up another season with a ton of errors, you have got to start asking some questions about what's actually best for this team. Not, not what's best for O'Neill. What's best for this team. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, you kind of, you want to support him in his endeavors. He clearly wants to play short. That's what he views yeah. uh, himself as. But at some point, you can't sit over there and, and especially at that position, it's so crucial um, and be making a ton of errors. Um, so yeah. I guess we'll find out. All right. Well, hey, that's how we're going to wrap the show this week. We're going to hand it over to Ben, let him take it away. But... Let us know if you like this format. We think it's pretty cool. We want to try to do things like this with guests potentially in the future. So let's have a little bit of interaction online about it. And uh, without further ado, Ben, take it away. Let's go, Clyde!